Dvarim, chapter 1, verse 5. The Torah says, Be'ever ayardein, Be'eretz Moab, on that side of the Jordan River, in the land of Moab. Ho'el Moshe. Moshe Rabbeinu began, Be'eretz HaTorah Azayis Leimu. He began to explain the Torah. Torah neglects to tell us what Moshe Rabbeinu was explaining. Doesn't say Rashi brings a Medrash. Medrash brings her of Tanchuma. Tanchuma says that Moshe Rabbeinu was translating the Torah into 70 languages. We find this also in Pasha's Kisavo. Klal Yisrael is preparing to enter into Eretz Yisrael. The Torah says, V'kasavta la'avanim, as called divrei ha-Torah azoiz, be'er hetiv. Again, you find that lotion of be'er hetiv, be'er, to explain. What does it mean? Ashi brings the Maran Saita 32a that Moshe Rabbeinu was instructing them to translate the Torah into all 70 languages. So the idea of explaining the Torah, to be Mavar, to bear the Torah, means to translate the Torah into 70 languages. Islam is a very cool Sifse Chachamim. Gematria is a real thing when it's brought down by Chazal. Not all Gematrias are created equal. Our third grade uh, Hasidic Rebbe's were not necessarily the same as the, uh, as, as the Ramban, the Rebbein B'chaya. In this case, it's a very beautiful Sifsei Chachamim, the Sifsei Chachamim explaining a certain type of gematria where you add every single letter, you add that letter to the total. So he says that the word Hetev is gematria 70, because He is 5, and then when you add in the Yud, it's not 10, but you include the previous one, so that's 15. Then 24, 26 equals 70. So it says the idea of Hetav is an indication that we're speaking here about translating the Torah into 70 languages. So we have a very simple question. This would be the type of thing that in today's modern world, if somebody came and they said, let's translate the Torah into 70 languages, probably there would be a section of Kal Yisrael that would stand up and say, this is a terrible thing. How could you translate the Torah into 70 languages? The Torah was given in Lashon HaKadosh. It should remain in Lashon HaKadosh. What's this idea of translating the Torah into 70 languages? That we see that Moshe Rabbeinu was insistent that before Klal Yisrael goes into Eretz Yisrael, this was important, that somehow it was a preparation for going into Eretz Yisrael, the Torah needs to be translated into 70 languages. Very interesting thing. The number 70 is a very common number in Yiddishkeit. We know that the Torah, when it says, Shema Yisrael Hashem Lekeinu Hashem Echad, the Ayin, which is Begematria 70, the Ayin is written very large. And the Balaturim explains that this is a reference to Klal Yisrael, which has 70 names. And we were given a Torah, as the Gemara says, that has 70 names and was elucidated in 70 different ways. To, and to differentiate us from the 70 nations of the world. And we know there's many things like this. The Gemara in Shabbos 88b says that the Torah was given in 70 languages. We know that the, the phrase Hashem is said 70 times in the Torah. We know that there were Shivim Zakanim, there were 70 members of the Sanhedrin. The Tukunei Zayar gives 70 explanations of the word Bereshis. David Amelech says the average person lives 70 years. 
Most importantly, we know that the Torah can be understood on four levels, Pshat, Remez, Josh, and Sod. We know the Gemara already says that Nichnas Yayin, Yatzasod, Sod is Begamatria 70, Yayin is Begamatria 70. So a person that can hold their Yayin, like the Das of the Shivim Zakanim, again, there's a tremendous amount of tire around the, around the number 70. Shaili is, what does 70 mean to us? When the Torah describes going down into Mitzrayim, the Torah says, how many people were we? 70. It's not true. The Torah has a very specific phrase. The Torah says, we were Shivim Nafesh. Shivim Nafesh. What's the exact translation of Shivim Nafesh? 70? 70 soul. We all translate it as 70 souls because it doesn't make any sense. But Shivim Nafesh means 70 soul. It should have been pluralized. Why didn't the Torah do that? So al Kabbalah, there's a very interesting idea, a connection between the letters Ayin and Aleph. You know, really, we're supposed to pronounce the letter Ayin very differently than the way we pronounce it. Anyone here Temani? Have a real Temani person here? The Temanim, the way they pronounce the letter Ayin is actually the correct way of doing it. Who's Temani? Yeah, who do we got? Yeah, your life matters. Yeah? Yeah, but that's really the right way to say it. The, real, the right way to say it is a very guttural sound. It's actually an Ayin. It comes from the back of the throat. So Al Pikabala, the Aleph is hidden within the Ayin. That's a very deep idea. What does it mean that the Aleph is hidden within the Ayin? So it goes like this. Seventy represents a fragmented world. Aleph represents the unity of a fragmented world. I'll explain what I mean. When we look at the world from a purely physical perspective, the world is as fragmented as could possibly be. We are all separate and distinct from each other. I am separate from this table, from this water bottle, from you. You're all separate from each other. And yet, the Torah says that even in the state of a fragmented world, there's a unity to creation. The way I heard it once from a, a very well-known Balkirov is he said, softcore monotheists believe in one God, Hardcore monotheists believe in oneness. They believe that within the fragmentation of the world, there's a unity. Now, you can pervert and destroy that unity. What does that look like? I'm trying to decide how politically incorrect I should be. So I'll just be very politically incorrect. Yeah? <coughs> Let's say you have a well-intentioned Rebbe. And I mean it, he's, he's well-intentioned. But the Rebbe sees it as his job to get everybody to think in the same way, to act in the same way, to speak in the same way. And he's coming from a place that he believes is for the sake of unity. That's not unity. That's the perversion of unity, and it's exceptionally dangerous. Unity like that throughout history has caused the death of hundreds of millions of people. That was communist Russia. It was Hitler, Yamach Shemot. That was Migdal Bavel. That was Mitzrayim. This notion of 
everybody has to be the same. Everybody has to be on this. Everybody, if we're working towards the same thing in the same exact way, we're exceptionally powerful. Yiddishkeit comes along and says exactly the opposite. Yiddishkeit says that we are all fundamentally different. As the Gemara says, no two faces are the same. And each person has to be radically unique. When I say radically unique, I mean it. Most people, when they hear that, they get a little nervous. What does that mean I should be radically unique? You know, if if we really, if we really had a strong sense of self, we would be excited. We would be excited to wake up in the morning and express the unique people that we are. But we are so conditioned for social acceptance that most of us are willing to trade in what makes us unique so that we could be part of the group. The saddest day as a parent, the saddest day is when you see your kid trade in their unity, I'm sorry, their true unity of who they are to be unified to themselves, which means they're going to be unique for conformity. I'll tell you what it looks like. I have uh, six, six, six kids. I have five girls and then I had a son. You know, eventually got it right. <laughs> so my daughter, two years ago, she was obsessed, since she's a kid, she was obsessed with unicorns. You know, little girls, that's what they, that's what they like. I don't really understand it, but this is, you know, this is the way of that species. So I, so I like buying my daughter unicorn stuff. I like that. You know, like when you're a dad, you want to get your kid what they like. So I come home sometimes from a trip to America, and I've gone to Amazing Savings, and like everything that's unicorn, you know, because the whole thing costs you like seven bucks, but you come back and you're like holding like this amount of stuff, and your daughter's face lights up. So I'm headed to America, and my daughter says to me, Ah, but this time I don't want unicorn stuff. I, I don't want, like, any unicorn presents. I said, Miriam, why don't you want unicorn presents? She goes, girls don't play with unicorn. It's, like, it's babyish. Now, I know that my daughter still likes unicorns. I know that she wants to play with unicorns. But she's at an age where it's more important to her to fit in than it is to be what she really uniquely is. And Rabbi Sai, we're not any different. We're not any different. Because to say what you really think, and even to think differently, and to be the unique version of yourself that you know you have inside of you, it means being so attached to your own soul that you have the true confidence to be yourself. And if we had that, you know what NCSY Cola would look like? It would be incredible. It would be what it's supposed to be. We are supposed to be this exceptional tapestry. And each one of us is supposed to have our unique role in that tapestry, in that play. But we keep saying other people's lines because we're too afraid to be ourselves. And we're meant to be fragmented. We're not all meant to be the same. I love it. I love it when I hear guys saying like, oh yeah, in that community they all just wear black and white. They're all the same. As if clothing is what makes you unique. Clothing is not where you express uniqueness. You are much bigger than your clothing. And, and by the way, for all of those who say that, I often look at them and go, and you're so unique? 
with the way you dress, we all kind of more or less dress the same. We all the same t-shirts, the same polo shirts, the same. You go to YU, you know exactly what a guy is more or less going to look like, right? We all kind of like. There's certain programs that we're all on. You know, you went to DRS, then you went to, then you went to a certain yeshiva in Israel. I won't say its name. Then you went back to YU. You went to Sisem School of Business. You became an accountant. You live in Woodmere. Rinse and repeat. You know what I'm saying? Like. <laughs> Not, and not that there's anything wrong with that. That's a wonderful life. Maybe you should live in Eretz Yisrael. But aside from that, I'm saying like, it's, it's a wonderful life. It's a great thing. It's a great thing. But where's the, where's the uniqueness? Where's the radical self-acceptance? Where's the, this is my line, and I'm not embarrassed to be myself. And I'm not embarrassed to say what, what's truly me. Even if other people will laugh at me. Even if other people will look at me and go, what's he doing? But that's him. A guy that I respect very, very much. He's a guy that nobody would mess with. He's a monster. He's huge. And one of these big, like in high school, he was like, you know, like the captain of the wrestling team. But like, you know, there's like, in Yeshiva League Wrestling, like, you know, s- smaller versions of captains, you know. This guy was mamish a monster. So nobody would mess with him. And he comes from a family that his family preaches. And I love this about his family. His family preaches radical self-acceptance. Be yourself. So I remember he came to Yeshiva. This big monster of a guy. And he announced, Hever, we're starting a Quidditch league if anyone wants to join. <laughs> so I went over to him. I said to him, dude, like, what are you, what are you doing, Quidditch league? He's like, no, we're going to have a Quidditch league, Rebbe. You want to join? I'm like, not so much. <laughs> like, I don't, first, I don't really do sports anymore. This uh, body doesn't allow for it so much. And second of all, if I'm going to play, I'm not playing Quidditch. But I love the fact, I love the fact that he's a shtickle weird. I love the fact that he's a shtickle weird because he's himself. He's not embarrassed to be himself. You see all these chevra. Everyone has to do the same thing. Nobody gets to think for themselves. You know, you have a kepi. You have something to say. You also could look at chumash. You also could write svarim. You also could look at a gemara. You also could look at a taizvis. You know how to think. You're smart. But we train people to be conformists and not to be unique. Because we're afraid of fragmentation. In Yiddishkeit, the Aleph is buried within the Ayin. The oneness is buried within the fragmentation. When we see things that are different, in Yiddishkeit we say there's, ex- there's dignity in difference. There's something exciting when you're unique. You don't have to be a sheep. You don't have to listen just because they told you to listen. You have to think for yourself. And people get upset when I say that because they say, Robert, you know, what, what's going to happen if they talk a thing for themselves? I, say, I don't know what's going to happen. Maybe they'll have a thought. <laughs> That can't be a bad thing. But, but maybe they'll think something that's not, what, what you think? That's also a good thing. That's also a good thing. Because we need, we need so many voices coming together to say so many different things. And this is why in Yiddishkeit, if you look at the number 70, it's always 70 surrounding one. Yaakov Avinu was coming down to Mitzrayim. He was surrounded by the 70 members of his family. Medrash Tanchuma says that in exile, we are like a solitary sheep surrounded by 70 wolves. On Shemini Atzeres, we have one ox that we give for Klai Yisrael after we give all the other sacrifices for the 70 nations of the world. Even in Sanhedrin, they're surrounding the Sanhedrin, the 70 members of the Sanhedrin, they, rep, they surround the Mufla, which is from of Pella, which is the inverse of the Aleph. By us, the fragmentation of the world, the iron of the world, is a means to seeing the unity of the world. They're not a stira. Mela, we can understand, the Ksav Seifer explains, why was it that Moshe Rabbeinu, before we entered into Eretz Yisrael, came and said, 
we need to separate the Torah into 70 languages. Ksav Seifer says it his way, we're going to say it our way. Ksav Seifer says that in the desert, a Jew would have said, we could serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the desert. In the desert, there was total unity. There was no fragmentation. Everything was clear, transparent unity. But what are we going to do when we come into Eretz Yisrael, where now we have to start to work the land? There's going to be farmers, and there's going to be bankers, and there's going to be accountants, and there's going to be... Culminate around, there's going to be politicians. And we're going to have to do so many things when we come into Eretz Yisrael. How could we possibly learn Tyra in Eretz Yisrael? Comes along Maisha Abenu and he says, Bear hate Listen carefully. This is not just a teaching, this is an explanation. Why is it an explanation? Because you have to look deep into it. And he comes and he says, If you only believe in serving HaKadosh Baruch Hu through unity, and you don't know how to see the unity in the fragmented world, then you've missed the point of the entire Torah. The Torah is meant not only to be in Lashon HaKadosh, but it has to speak to every single Jew in the language that they speak. That was the lesson of Moshe Rabbeinu before we came into Eretz Yisrael. You're afraid. You're afraid, he says. You're afraid to go into a fragmented world. You're afraid to leave NCS Baikola. One very chash of a bacher, who's probably in this room right now, though I don't see him. But I think he's in this room right now. Now I saw him. He's in this room right now came to me a couple weeks ago when we were first starting an NCSY call. He was already moving. He was already getting into it. He was already cooking. And he said, what's going to be if I can't what's going to be if I can't hold it when I'm back in America? What's going to be if I can't hold it? We've had a bunch of conversations since that point. Now I'm going to give him another answer. I'm going to share it with all of you, but he's in the crowd. It's not just for when it's unified. Torah is for everywhere you go. You know, we don't believe that Torah is only for the base medrash. If you're an accountant, you have to be an accountant. And you have to be a ben Torah when you're an accountant. If you're a lawyer, you have to be a ben Torah when you're a lawyer. It has to come with you wherever you go. In a fragmented world. I'll tell you a maisa. It's a true maisa. I told this over in the northern campus tonight also. My wife was offered a full fellowship to college. You know the difference between a fellowship and a scholarship? Scholarship is when you don't pay to go to college. A fellowship is when they pay you to go to college. She was offered a full fellowship to college, which meant that for three years, she was going to have to take certain special classes, but they were going to pay her. Not just pay for all of her books, she was going to get a stipend so that she could be in college. But my wife didn't want to go to college. She said, well, I don't need to spend three years in college. I'm smart. I could learn what I need to learn from textbooks. So she wanted to be an actuary. Ever know what an actuary is? It's a very serious type of mathematics. It's very, very hard to learn. So she bought a textbook, she taught herself actuarial mathematics, and she passed the exams. She became an actuary. She went to work for a company, probably many of you have heard of it, AIG. And in AIG, she had a boss. His name was Pat Riley. Not that Pat Riley. (laughs) This Pat Riley wore a bow tie and was bald. A very different Pat Riley. So... I don't know if you know this, guys, but the actuaries, they're not the coolest people in the world. You know, so like, these are the mathletes. These are the people that get picked on in high school. These are not exactly... But my wife happens to be an exceptionally modest person and an exceptionally dignified person. And in a meeting in AIG, one of the chevra over there (coughs) used a swear word. And afterwards, after the meeting, my wife got called in. It wasn't my wife that used the swear word. My wife got called into Pat Riley's office. She sits down, and Pat Riley says to my wife, 
I want to formally apologize to you. I want to apologize. My wife says, for what? person used an inappropriate word in the meeting. A word that we know you shouldn't have to hear. A word that we know you shouldn't have to hear. So my wife, you know, she grew up with brothers. And sometimes brothers don't necessarily use the most refined language. So my wife was like, no, no, no. It, it's like, I don't want anyone to get into trouble. Pat Riley goes, no, we already contacted Human Resources. And he's going to come and he's going to apologize to you. My wife is a regular Tsanua person. What was it that Pat Riley saw in her that he said a person doesn't speak like that in front of her? I'll tell you what it was. It's the dignity of being a Jew. It's being able to say, I am uniquely me, and this is me. You hold yourself. It's not just for the Beit Meir based Medrash. You didn't come here to say, I learned Torah and Beit Meir. Shabbos and Beit Meir. It's not just Shabbos and Beit Meir, Chavra. It's going to be Shabbos in Teaneck and Long Island. It's going to be Shabbos in LA and Chicago. It's going to be Shabbos in Cleveland and in Kansas. It's going to be Shabbos in all those places. Is it a special Shabbos here? Absolutely. But if it's only Shabbos and Beit Meir, and it's not Shabbos wherever we go next, then Chaval Azman, did we, did we miss the point? Man, did we miss the point. It's everywhere we go, we take it with us. We take it with us. It doesn't matter. Some of are like, you know, the chevra that I'm in in high school. Stop. Stop. If you can be you everywhere, that's how you know when you're real. Don't worry about your friends. Don't worry, don't worry about your friends. Your real friends will accept you. Your real friends will stand beside you and go, yeah, he made some moves. We see. A little bit different. He, he, he came home from NCSY Kolo he's working on having a night seder maybe he's not coming out in the same way with us anymore but you know what your real friends will stand by you and I'll tell you the truth in my life I was very blessed I had amazing amazing friends in high school mamish amazing friends and I came to Eretz Yisrael and I made certain moves that my friends didn't necessarily make you learn the hard way you learn the hard way who are your real friends. Because your fake friends will talk about you behind your back. Your fake friends will go, yeah, you see who's doing it. Your real friends will be the ones that stand up for you and say, we value the person that he's truly becoming. But Rabbi say the person that you're truly becoming doesn't necessarily dress the same as everyone else, doesn't necessarily talk the same way as everybody else, doesn't necessarily have the same values. There's going to be some of you that have primacy of the state of Israel. There's going to be some of you that have primacy in the Black Gemara. There's going to be others that find, that find value in Sifri Chasidus. Some of you are going to find your place in Davening. Some of you are going to find your place in Chesed. Some of you are going to find your place in Kirov. Every single person here is different. And within those boxes that I just created, there's so many subdivisions and subdivisions and subdivisions. How many of us ask, why does everybody want my mitzvah? It's the same mitzvah as everybody else. Same mitzvah as everybody else. The answer is, it's not the same mitzvah as everybody else. It's not the same mitzvah. Your mitzvah has to be uniquely you. There's a, a famous story with Rav Steinzoltz that somebody came to him and they said, Rebbe, it's so hard to say, say the same tefillahs every single day. He goes, I agree. But what's supposed to be is that you say the tefillah and then you're a fundamentally changed person. So the tefillah remains the same, but the next day you are fundamentally different. If we were tapped into our true soul, the aleph that's buried within the ayin, we'd have no problem with that. We're running out of time. But in the three minutes that I have left, I just want to say one thing. I said it last week, but I'm going to hammer it home again. I had, I had the biggest schuss in the world this past Shabbos. 
and again today. And tonight, we had the opportunity to have TJJ with us. And I was with TJJ on Shabbos, and I was with TJJ today, and I have to tell you, Rabbi Isai, what's happening on TJJ is so, so special. It's so special to be a part of. And I, I spoke today for an hour and change with some of the girls from TJJ Southern. These girls are unbelievable. These girls are unbelievable. And I want you to know, an hour went by and we had to end because the next part of the program was coming. It felt like five minutes. I could have gone for five hours easy. We're going to go to Yom NCSY. And you're going to look around. And you're going to see there's going to be a lot of different types of juice. A lot of different types of juice. And it's good for you to see it. It's good for you. Because you come from the bubble. Each one of you are in your own bubble for the most part. And it doesn't matter if that bubble is the Five Towns or Teaneck or Englewood or Skokie or, or Pico. It doesn't matter where you're holding. Rabbi Isai, it's a bubble. And, tonight, and in a couple of days, first of all, by Tisha B'Av, comes into the world. And after Tisha B'Av, by Yom NCSY, I want you to appreciate, to take a moment at Yom NCSY. You'll be doing your thing, but I want you to take a moment to appreciate Kalal Yisrael is a beautiful tapestry with so many different types of people. Don't look at people and define them. They're less observant, they're more observant, they're more tzniyas, they're less tzniyas. It's not the Avaida. The Avaida is, can you appreciate every single type of Jew? If you could appreciate their uniqueness, then you could appreciate your own. If you could appreciate your own uniqueness, then you can appreciate theirs. But if you find yourself looking around and judging... And you're just focused on the ayin and you haven't seen the aleph that's buried within that ayin. Then unfortunately you don't get it. It's a beautiful tapestry. If we can only take the time to appreciate each other for who we truly are. Which is a chelek eloka mimal mamish. Actually a piece of HaKadosh Baruch. Everybody say have a good chance.